Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi everyone, it's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You ever notice how every soccer player is obscenely attractive? You might just think it's all the exercise, and that's partly true. Being a professional athlete and working out several hours a day is great for your abs. But it wasn't always like this. There used to be ugly soccer players. Fat ones. Bald ones. Goateed. If we rewind back to the grunge of 1994, well, my friend, those were the days. Back when soccer players were slobs, drunks, and had unruly nose hairs. They said wild, upsetting things, and not a single spokesperson was nearby to cringe, nary a social media user in sight to immortalize it for all time. They were the opposite of an Instagram filter. Today we're going to tell the story of a team fueled by brazen, indignant, chest-thumping cockiness. Not to mention chest hair, mullets, communist tanks, and illegally smuggled players. A team that rode on their own high opinions of themselves, a complete disregard for rules, and harnessed a couple of miraculous bits of luck along the way into World Cup immortality. Freshly unlatched from the Soviet Union, Bulgaria was brash, broody, and temperamental. 
and they were World Cup semifinalists in 1994. The Bulgaria phenomenon in 1994 was, I mean, it was a shooting star, right? The emergence of this Bulgaria team, I mean, Cinderella-esque. He was tight-lipped and uh, brooding. The whole country just went absolutely mad. But kind of exerted an, an atmosphere of authority. One of the greatest sensations of all time. And it came out of nowhere and then it exploded in glory and then went away and diminished very, very quickly. I'm Nando Vila, and this is the best soccer podcast in the world. Cristiano Ronaldo, yes! Oh, yes! The goal all of Italy wanted to see. The man November 17, 1993. Final round of World Cup qualifiers. On that night, nine simultaneous matches decided the last eight available European spots for the 1994 World Cup. The most dramatic, it turned out, was Bulgaria versus France. France, as you can imagine, were heavy favorites. But before we get to the actual match... In order to understand the whole magnitude of this uh, miracle... You have to go back a couple of days. This is Michael Jokin. I'm a freelance um, football writer. That's what I do for a living. I'm just, uh, I just write about uh, football. Bulgaria and France were in the same qualifying group. And everyone expected France to go through. I mean, they had great players. Like Eric Cantona, back from international exile. And Jean-Pierre Papin... France should have sailed through the group. A few weeks earlier, France played against Israel in Paris, and they would have qualified for the World Cup if they won. And Israel played in their first ever European World Cup qualifying campaign. They played in Asia before. And Israel was not good. Yet somehow, five minutes into stoppage time, Israel led. And that gave uh, Bulgaria a chance. But still, it was a tall order for the Bulgarians. To make it to the World Cup, they needed to beat France in France, while the French only needed to tie at home. An absurd idea, absolutely unthinkable. And uh, the very fact they were alive in this competition was a miracle. So just uh, one miracle uh, had already happened. They they just needed another one. One key thing had changed since the last World Cup. Bulgaria was a country of 9 million people in the Balkans, sort of nuzzled between Greece, Turkey, and the Black Sea in southeastern Europe. At the time, it was struggling to establish itself economically and politically. With the collapse of the Soviet Union, Countries in the Eastern Bloc started transitioning toward market capitalism and away from centralized, planned economies. East and West Germany merged once more. Advertising and Hollywood movies crept into the culture. 
The main shift, as far as soccer was concerned, was getting rid of a rule that sounds absurd in retrospect. Soccer players in Bulgaria could not play professionally outside of the country until they turned 28. That law disappeared in 1990, so by the time the 1994 World Cup rolled around, the best players had trickled out to some of the bigger leagues in Europe. The collapse of the Eastern Bloc and the Soviet Union obviously made those uh, players feel much freer and they were uh, like released from their cage. And the best player was clearly Risto Stoichkov. He played for Barcelona in the Spanish League and was a key part of the team that managed to win four consecutive league titles. And were you to call up Central Casting and ask for a burly Eastern European hitman and, and Stoichkov arrived at your door, you'd go, brilliant, Central Casting has, had, answered, had answered the call. And in many ways, I guess that's not an inappropriate way of describing him because he was Bulgarian and he was very much a hitman. And he didn't look like he would uh, brook any nonsense from you either. This is James Richardson. He hosts the Totally Football Show and has interviewed Stoichkov. France arrived in a very strange uh, psychological state to this uh, fixture because on one uh, hand they underestimated the Bulgarians but on the other hand they were very much afraid of losing because that Israeli game was a huge fiasco and uh, they really were afraid. But the Bulgarians arrived in their own state of disorganization. Somehow, the Bulgarian Federation had forgotten to apply for visas for forwards Emil Kostadinov and Luboslav Penev. Legally, those two players could not enter France for the key match. See, this was before the time of the Schengen Agreement, which allowed Europeans to travel freely within the EU. Back then, you still needed visas and passports and the like if you wanted to cross between borders. But, well, what are immigration laws besides technicalities? Bureaucratic hiccups, really. So the team devised a plan. The captain, goalkeeper Borislav Mikhailov, and a midfielder named Georgi Georgiev, which definitely sounds made up, played in the French league for a club called Mulhouse. You see, Mulhouse was right on the border between Germany and France. And the players had heard of a border crossing there with light security. So Georgiev smuggled the pair across in his car, in hiding, and put them up the night before the game. When the starting lineups were read on November 17th, Kostadinov and Luboslav Penev's names were listed up top next to Stoichkov. I guess Kostadinov and Penev were both technically undocumented immigrants at the time. Now all they had to do was beat France. No one knew it at the time, but France had the spine of the team that would go on to win the 1998 World Cup five years later. Laurent Blanc, Marcel Desailly, and Didier Deschamps started that day in 1993, as well as Cantona, the mercurial striker with popped collars who was named in the top three players of the world that year. But on cue, Cantona struck first, lashing home a volley from Papin's cushioned knockdown header. Eric Cantona scored the goal and they were on, the, on their way to the World Cup. They had now had to concede two goals in order to uh, be out. One bizarre moment in the match came when a rooster snuck its way onto the field. Anyway, before halftime, before the rooster crowed, Bulgaria pulled one back from a corner 
leaning back away from goal, Kostadinov scored a bullet header. Bien frappé, bien frappé. Premier poteau, but de Kostadinov. That's right, the same Kostadinov who had eluded French security forces a day before found the French defenders just as easy to slip past. Even still, with the score tied, the French would be flying to the United States for the World Cup the upcoming summer. The French just needed to waste a few more minutes. Time was slipping away. It was 1-1 with just uh, the last minute of injury time remaining. And uh, David Ginola, the, the French substitute, uh, had uh, the ball uh, near the corner flag in the Bulgarian half. And instead of wasting those seconds that were left until the final whistle, he just sent an awful cross. His overcooked cross sailed over everyone and fell straight to the feet of a Bulgarian player. The Bulgarians then rushed up the field for one final attack. The ball found its way to Penev, and he picked up his head and found his undocumented brother, Kostadinov. Kostadinov held off his defender and absolutely rifled a shot from a narrow angle while in full sprint. The visiting Bulgarian commentator screamed, God is Bulgarian. God is Bulgarian. It was just centimeters from going out. Uh, it was a huge, huge moment. It defined, this very moment defined uh, the entire Bulgarian football history. Neither Penev nor Kostadinov had visas to be in France, but they punched their tickets for flights to the United States. Desailly held his head in his hands. Blanc sunk to his knees. Deschamps cried his way down the tunnel. Ginola slumped over an advertising board. It was total disaster for France. Coach Gerard Houllier disappeared into the bowels of the stadium without a word. It wasn't that he didn't have anything to say. Houllier blamed Ginola. He committed a crime against the team. I repeat, a crime against the team. The French press called Ginola the assassin of French football. Decades later, Houllier hadn't forgiven him. He called Ginola a bastard in his book. Ginola subsequently sued. Ginola is remembered more for his overcooked cross than anything else. Cantona never played in a World Cup. But on the other hand, Christos Stoichkov and Balakov and Kostadinov and Lechkov and uh, Trifon Ivanov, they all went to play in the World Cup and not just play in that World Cup, uh, but provide uh, one of the greatest sensations of all time. More about what happened next after the break. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. Good one, Dad. (sighs) Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And so, from the dissolution of communism in the Eastern Bloc, Bulgaria washed up on the shores of good old capitalist U.S. and Day in the summer of 1994. The Lion King and Jim Carrey topped the box office. People were listening to Ace of Base and Boys to Men on their Walkman. 
Friends was filming its inaugural season. One thing we have been noticing again, it's a very slow pursuit. OJ Simpson was fleeing in a white Bronco. Nelson Mandela won the first multiracial elections in South African history. Ah, 1994, a time of hope and opportunity. And America, the land of apple pie and the other kind of football, got set to host the World Cup. It was the debut of colorful jerseys for referees. Kickoffs were scheduled for noon to appease the European TV market, which stuck up its nose at the beautiful game being held in a primitive backwater like the United States. But the stadiums were packed. The opening ceremonies included Diana Ross missing a penalty in one of the funniest videos you'll ever see, and the goal splitting in half. I just think that 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 Bulgaria team really embodied the spirit of, you know, what an American World Cup, I guess, promises, which is opportunity and anything can happen. This is Alexi Lalas. If you know of him, it's because of this World Cup. My name is Alexi Lalas, and I'm 52 years old. I am uh, a Gemini. I live out here in Los Angeles, California, and uh, many, many years ago, back in the 1900s, I used to run around and kick a ball for a number of different teams, uh, including the U.S. men's national team. And nowadays, I talk about soccer on Fox Sports. On home soil, Lalas was the center back defending America's honor. While Lalas and the U.S. team were being thrust into the global limelight, Bulgaria was busy shunning it. Bulgarian training sessions were closed, and the team refused to speak to the media. The team was locked in a contract dispute with the Bulgarian Federation, which had promised the players bonuses of $100,000 for the win over France. Unable to pay, the Federation president resigned, and the players were understandably huffy. Eventually, the Federation came up with $25,000 per player, who begrudgingly accepted and agreed to play. On the roster, Benev, the hero of Paris and one of the guys who had smuggled himself into the country, had to pull out of the squad due to testicular cancer. He was replaced by Nasko Sirakov. What's notable about the promotion of Sirakov is that he played for Levski Sofia, one of the two main teams from Sofia, the capital of Bulgaria. Penev, the guy he was replacing, had come up through CSKA Sofia. And boy, those two teams really don't like each other. Two big enemies, CSKA Sofia and Levski Sofia. They really, really, really hate each other. It's like Rangers and Celtic in Glasgow. It's, it's a huge rivalry. With beef dating back to the 1940s, Bulgaria's eternal derby is the biggest rivalry in the Balkans. The most bitter game between them came in the 1985 Bulgarian Cup final, when a handball helped CSKA open the scoring and win. A riot broke out in the stands. A huge brawl then broke out in the tunnel. The Communist Party dissolved both teams and handed five players lifetime bans, including Stoichkov and Mikhailov. A few months later, those sanctions were reduced, and Stoichkov resumed playing after seven months, and both teams still exist, but they still hate each other. One of the biggest problems in the Bulgarian squad throughout decades was that there were two camps, usually, in the dressing room. The CSKA camp and the Levski camp, and they hated each other, and they at times they didn't even speak to each other, and it, it ruined the atmosphere in the dressing room. You see, in the six World Cups Bulgaria had qualified for, they'd never won a match. In 1962, they drew nil-nil with the Bobbies of England, Charlton and Moore. In 66, they lost to Pelé's Brazil and Eusebio's Portugal. In 1970, they lost to Beckenbauer and Gerd Müller's West Germany. 
1974, they lost to Cruyff's Netherlands, and they didn't qualify in 78 or 82. But at least they lost to a bunch of legendary teams, you know, you can say that for them. And then in 1986, they actually progressed to the round of 16. On the back of two draws in the group stage, no wins. They promptly lost 2-0 to Maradona's Argentina, and then by the same scoreline to Hugo Sanchez's Mexico. In their most recent World Cup match eight years earlier, Manuel Negrete had scored a wonderful goal for Mexico. A keepy-uppy 1-2 followed by a flying scissor kick. Up to that point, if Bulgaria was shown in any World Cup highlight reels, it would have been for that Negrete goal. They were best remembered for conceding a beautiful goal. They were considered a minus. They were never uh, supposed to pose any threat at the World Cup. So the goal for the 1994 Bulgaria team was simple. Win a match. One. Any match would do. They kicked off the tournament in Dallas's Cotton Bowl Stadium against Nigeria. Sun hot enough to sizzle your neck hairs, air dry enough to choke on. This was Nigeria's first World Cup appearance. Surely, if Bulgaria was going to win one, the opening match was their chance. The Nigerian winger Finiti George and his teammates disagreed. Kuchevi didn't get in, but now they've got in. Yakini coming for the cross. Score! The Bulgarians were thrashed in their first uh, fixture in Dallas by Nigeria. It ended 3-0 to Nigeria. The Bulgarian coach responded by allowing the players to bring their wives and girlfriends to the hotel. A late night of smoking, drinking, and pool parties ensued. Needless to say, this was unheard of in the middle of a World Cup, let alone after a crushing defeat. They celebrated at the hotel, and basically they, they were just enjoying their lives. Next up, Greece, also making their World Cup debut at Soldier Field in Chicago. Up stepped Stoichkov. Tufts of chest hair and his gold chain visible under his v-neck, the barrel-chested forward was coming off four straight La Liga titles with Barcelona. He was fiery, brilliant, bullish. He was once suspended for two months for stomping on a referee who sent him off versus Real Madrid. But he put his foot down in a different way against Greece. A pair of penalties and goals from Jordan Lechkov and Daniel Borimirov gave Bulgaria a heavy 4-0 win. Stoichkov would go on to say, quote, they got nowhere near us. And well, congratulations Bulgaria, they have got their first ever World Cup win. And basically that could have been their greatest achievement at that tournament. Uh, but then another miracle uh, that happened to them. First Israel beating France, then Bulgaria beating France. Now Maradona, miracles. Here's how the writer Eduardo Galeano put it. Quote, he played, he won, he peed, he lost. Ephedrin turned up in his urinalysis, and Maradona was booted out of the 1994 World Cup. FIFA certainly uh, may well have had no option themselves but to uh, take strong action against Maradona. An aging Maradona had been ushered back from a cocaine-fueled suspension to salvage Argentina's hopes. With him, they looked formidable once more. Maradona, almost single-handedly led Argentina to the World Cup title in 1986, had dragged them to the final four years later, and now, at 33, would have set a record for World Cup appearances against Bulgaria. Instead, he was sent home in a cloud of paparazzi flashbulbs, fan hysterics, preening global newspaper columns, and stimulants in his blood. It really looked like Bulgaria were extremely lucky. They're just outrageously lucky. 
everything went their way. Needing a result to qualify for the next round, Bulgaria faced a stunned Argentina back in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. And amid the turmoil of the Maradona affair, qualification in the group would be turned upside down in the final matches. Good running here by Storichka. Again, Stoichkov scored, because, of course. Even having a player sent off couldn't dampen the mood. This team started playing brilliant team football. That win over Argentina with the last-minute goal by Sirakov, it really gave them confidence that they could do really, really huge things. Bulgaria finished second in the group. On to the knockout rounds. Each game was do or die. Lose and go home. Win and progress. First up was another old foe, Mexico. This time in Giant Stadium, East Rutherford, New Jersey. They called it the Swamp. Stoichkov scored after six minutes, absolutely battering it straight over the onrushing Jorge Campos, who didn't even have time to get his hands up. Mexico equalized through a penalty, and then Bulgaria had a player sent off. But instead of having to play a man down the rest of the half, Mexico had Luis Garcia sent off as well. Nope, not that Luis Garcia. Not that other one either. Those are two of the worst sendings off I think I've ever seen in World Cup football, and I just don't think you can defend the refereeing appointment by FIFA. It was a wild match. One of the Mexican defenders snapped the upright after sliding into it, and the Syrian referee handed out eight yellow cards and two reds. And it went to penalties. Here we had the flamboyant Jorge Campos in net for Mexico, the tiny goalkeeper who preferred to play striker and distracted opposing players with his self-designed neon jerseys. For Bulgaria, the goalkeeper was the captain Borislav the Wig Mikhailov. They called him that because he was bald and wore a wig while playing. I'm serious, dude wore a rug on the field. The 90s were awesome. Anyway, Mikhailov's father had been Bulgaria's national team goalkeeper also, so it kind of ran in the family. And it all led up to this, a penalty shootout in the World Cup. More about what happened next after the break. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. 
Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. (sighs) Good one, Dad. (sighs) Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It went to the penalty shootout. And Balakov missed the first kick for Bulgaria, uh, but the Mexicans missed three in a row. And Mikhailov guesses correctly, leans that way. Mikhailov saved two and saved his nation's hopes. Lechkov, the boarding character, he can take his country into a little piece of World Cup history. Yes, he has! Bulgaria go through! Stoichkov was scheduled to take the last penalty, but it wasn't even needed. Stoichkov summed up the night by citing the commentator of the France game. Quote, God was a Bulgarian today. The players stayed up so late celebrating at their isolated hotel in Princeton that the coach gave them the next day off. 
The team stayed in Princeton ahead of the quarterfinal against Germany, and the Germans were a fearsome team. They had won the World Cup four years earlier, and now they were newly reunified after the fall of the Berlin Wall, adding East Germans to an already stacked roster. In attack, Jürgen Klinsmann partnered with Rudi Waller, known for his blonde caterpillar mustache. Nobody really believed that Bulgaria could beat the Germans. Bulgaria prepared for the match by racking up a massive bar tab the night before to celebrate Lechkov's birthday. And the coach was worried. Germany likely spelled the end. And uh, before those uh, quarterfinals against Germany, Trifoni, one of their frightening-looking uh, centre-back, came to uh, the coach, Dimitri Penev, and told him, everything is going to be okay. Rudy Fowler, when he sees me, he will be so frightened that he won't be able to do anything. Tifon Ivanov was called the Wolfman. Plump, with sunken eyes, he wore a scraggly beard and a shaggy mullet. Um, the greatest story about Trifon Ivanov, by the way, is that he bought himself a tank when he was a player. Just bought himself an old Soviet tank and drove it in his spare time. So that was the kind of personality. He was the one to reassure his coach. Just relax, he said. Rudy Voller will fall to the ground when he feels my breath. It turns out it wasn't Voller who hit the ground. Klinsman won a penalty with some trademark diving, and it was birthday boy Lechkov who had allegedly brought him down. And Lothar Mateus has the chance now. Lothar Mateus scored the penalty in his record-equaling 21st World Cup match. It's a goal! Germany take the lead, Lothar Mateus! Then, Voller put the ball in the back of the net, but it was a fraction offside. Had it stood, Bulgaria likely would have been toast. Instead, Stoichkov happened. In a career full of wild and wonderful goals, his free kick from 25 yards against Germany holds up among his best. Stoichkov! Yes! Three minutes later, Lechkov atoned for his earlier foul. People don't even remember that he gave up the penalty because he wiped it from memory with what came next. Jordan, the magician Lechkov, had a haircut like your grandfather, balding but with a little sprouting tuft on the top of his forehead. He was from Slivin, 500 miles from Chernobyl, and blamed his baldness on the radiation. And Jordan Lechkov... He was a hard-working midfielder, but he, he wasn't especially technically gifted. He wasn't especially visionary. He wasn't especially anything. It's refreshing to see someone unapologetically bald. I think the world needs more bald icons. And that head proved mighty instrumental. Yankov. Let's go! The celebration as Lechkov peeled away is legendary. His arms high in a V, then jumping to punch the sky. They uh, won against both Argentina and Germany, the, the finalists of the previous World Cup. And now they were them, themselves just one step from their own World Cup final, which was so extremely incredible that the whole country just went absolutely mad after that. Typically bullish, Stoichkov said after the match, quote, to be honest, it was an easy win. 
Spoiler alert, listener, it was not. Bulgaria, a country that had barely smuggled their way into the World Cup, was in a semi-final. They once again stayed put at Giant Stadium to face the next giant in the fixture list. That would be Italy, meticulously led by Roberto Baggio, better known as the Divine Ponytail, a.k.a. the greatest nickname in the history of soccer. He got it because, well, he rocked a full-on rat tail throughout his entire career. Divino Codino, Roberto Baggio. He kind of defied description because he was so good. He was an incredibly gifted player. And there's just something about him and the way that he, the, the dignity that he always had and the grace he had. Baggio inscribed Buddhist sayings onto his captain's armband. He was flowing. He was fragile. He was phenomenal, of course. But he seemed, the way that he moved on the field for me was a little bit like a leaf skipping along on an autumn breeze. He would just seem to glide along. Baggio put Italy ahead with two precise finishes. Zlatko Jankov admitted when he turned 50 that the first goal still hurt. He should have fouled Baggio. Stoichkov pulled one back with a penalty just before halftime, but the comeback never fully materialized. The referee that day was a Frenchman named Joel Quinu. And now, listen, I'm not accusing him of anything, but maybe revenge was in the cards because he swallowed his whistle in this one a bit. At one point, Costa Curta clearly handled inside the box and didn't get a penalty. And later, Italy brought down Lechkov in the box and also didn't get a penalty. So, just saying. Final whistle, Italy 2, Bulgaria 1. Bulgaria had lost. They would not play in the final. Italy would. After the game, Stoichkov was asked if God was still a Bulgarian. Yes, he said, but the referee was French. Yeah, I mean, the Bulgaria phenomenon in 1994 was, I mean, it was a shooting star, right? And it came out of nowhere and then it exploded in glory and then went away and diminished very, very quickly. The emergence of this Bulgaria team, yeah, I guess, I mean, Cinderella-esque, right? Bulgaria's run had come to an end. Stoichkov shared the golden boot with Russia's Oleg Salenko. The way in which they played, the freedom in which they played, and, you know, this phenomenon that you do see at World Cups where a team within that that moment, you know, that that brigadoonish type of bubble that is a World Cup where anything is possible and anything can happen. You know, they harness that energy and they harness that power. The run to the semifinals sparked huge celebrations in Bulgaria. It put them on the map and provided some glimmer of hope for a country struggling to establish itself. When you live the power of a World Cup, it provides opportunities. And a lot of those players on that team were given opportunities that without doing it on the world stage in front of the world, they ne wouldn't necessarily have been given. And, you know, the fact that, that you bring up Bulgaria, or that I remember Bulgaria, they are a part of the fabric and the story and the narrative of that World Cup. Listen, I, you know, that I am a living example of the power of a World Cup and what it can do and how it can change an individual. The years after 1994 weren't so kind. In Euro 1996, Stoichkov scored in every game, but they still crashed out in the group stages with just four points. 
Benev was fired as coach. France knocked him out in a small act of revenge for the tragedy in Paris three years earlier. At World Cup 1998, which France won, Bulgaria went out in the group stages as well. They've never qualified for the World Cup since. I think back fondly about what Bulgaria was and what it brought to that tournament. And that, but I, there's a sadness that they haven't been able to recapture that. And the players? Well, Ilyan Kiryakov lost his 1994 bonuses from the government in a Swiss pyramid scheme. Ivanov died at the age of 50 of a heart attack. Inter Milan tried to buy Lechkov after the 1994 World Cup, but while negotiating a deal at a restaurant, the waitstaff brought the wrong appetizer. Lechkov then furiously pelted the waiter with breadsticks, and Inter backed off immediately, and Lechkov went to Besiktas in Turkey instead. He was then banned from soccer for several years in his prime because of a contract dispute. After retiring, he became the mayor of his hometown of Sliven. In 2010, he was officially removed with seven counts of corruption. He received a suspended two-year jail sentence. He was once pulled over for speeding, threw his ID at the cops, flipped them off, and sped away. Borislav Mikhailov became president of the Bulgarian Federation. The prime minister then demanded Mikhailov's resignation for failing to condemn racist chants in a game against England. He has been caught drunk in public several times. Lechkov, who was the Federation vice president at the time, tried to proclaim himself the new president, which got him immediately fired. After leaving Barcelona, Stoichkov returned briefly to CSKA. Before retiring in 2004, he had spells in Saudi Arabia and Japan, as well as a stint in Major League Soccer, where he became a cult figure with the Chicago Fire. He also played for DC United in MLS. And while he was there, Stoichkov was sued for $5 million for breaking a college freshman's leg in a friendly. He's now a commentator for Univision. All of the unruly self-belief served them all so well in 1994 has been less kind in the years since. But for one glorious, sweltering summer in America, the chest hair, the mullets, the brashness, it all came together perfectly for a bullish group of players, for a nation, for Bulgaria, World Cup semifinalists. The Best Soccer Podcast in the World is a production of Exile Content Studios in partnership with iHeart's My Cultura Podcast Network and is hosted by me, Nando Vila. Produced by Ana Isabel Octavio and Zach Lee Rigg. Written by Zach Lee Rigg. Production assistance by Stella Emmett. Our executive producers are Isaac Lee, Rose Reed, and myself, Nando Vila. Our executive producers at iHeart are Giselle Bances and Arlene Santana. Sound design by Hugo Mendoza. Our awesome theme song is by Lou Jay. Special thanks to all of the voices that participated in this episode, Michael Yokin, James Richardson, and Alexi Lalas. For more podcasts, listen to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card. Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said. 
just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.